Uh, thanks, servicemen. Uh, before we take the offering, a couple of weeks ago, we took an offering that went straight towards missions. So giving here to be spent everywhere else. Uh, so we've got a total that we'd like to announce. And by we, I mean me, because I'm the one who wrote it down. Uh, so between all of our campuses, we gave $296,834.41, which means there's some kids involved. So that's a great move. This is us stepping into what God is doing around the world as we go give him praise. So when we look at stuff on the screen from places far away from here, we get to fund that, and that's good. So uh, let's read a verse, and then we'll pray for our offering today. Uh, ready, set, go. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Let's pray. Father, as we give our offering, we thank you for the amazing, generous gift of your Holy Spirit. Spirit, fill us with fresh power to be your witnesses today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I was just going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us. If you're here for the first, second, or third time, and it's not because the marathon prevents you from getting you to your usual church, uh, I'd love it if you uh, filled this thing out. And uh, we've got a gift for you as soon as you get outside, take a super hard left. And that's where the good stuff is. So it's just our way of saying thanks for being here today. So uh, last week, I told some stories about what happened when I was still in student ministry and got all my bad ideas out of the way. Uh, this was actually a good idea. So we're in November now. The weather is starting to cool. You start looking at the calendar to see, okay, when can I actually have a fire? And every time that we could have a fire, after youth group ended, we would have a fire because it's great and it's easy cleanup. It literally just burns itself to the ground. Uh, and the best way to do that is to take a pallet that we had left over from food and clothing distribution, cut that sucker in half, lean the two sides against each other, and then light it as fast as we could before the kids got out there. And so after one week of hosing it down with lighter fluid that cost, uh, I think we figured out about $36 a gallon for lighter fluid, realized, man, there's got to be something better. So I asked a guy who used to work with me in students, and he goes here now, uh, I said, what do we have that would be better and more efficient than lighter fluid to get a fire started quickly the first time so that we're not down there with a lighter as like 13 and 14 year olds are surrounding it, thus seeing a lighter and thinking it's the coolest thing ever. And so he said, there's this thing costs about $4 a gallon. It works way better than lighter fluid. It's called gasoline. And he still had his eyebrows, so I trusted him. And, uh, and I said, okay, great. So I'm going to buy a gallon of gas. Before the kids come down, I just want you to saturate appropriately the pallet A-frame and get the fire started quickly before kids are down there around there to get hurt. So he said, no problem. So right away, we went from $36 a gallon to $4 a gallon. And immediately, the fires would start perfectly. Today, what we're talking about is the type of thing in our lives. And this is, this is the key. This is one of the big things for those of us in here who follow Jesus. That takes our life with Jesus, takes our faith from a lighter to a pallet fire. There are moments in all of us. And if you're thinking that, if you can just figure out life with Jesus, then every day, all the time is always going to be amazing. I'm going to tell you it's not. But within us, within a relationship with God, there's a thing that takes us from a lighter to a big flame. And that is the power and the role and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about today. We love God. God created things. God loves people. God holds the whole world in his hand. Jesus, we love Jesus because Jesus took on skin and he came into the world to give his life for our life, to pay for our sins with his perfect life. And the Holy Spirit, that's the moment where everybody starts to reach for the brake pedal. 
It's like, okay, so what's going to happen? What's going to do? What are they going to do? Where, where have you been taught poorly that have led you to apprehension around the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. We're going to have an opportunity at the end to respond, to encounter the Holy Spirit today. It's not because we have a formula. It's because we have a God who's on the move and on mission and wants to infect and effect people like us with his Holy Spirit that give us fresh power, fresh joy, fresh life to live for Jesus. And so we're going to look at an event from God initiated by Jesus that celebrates the Holy Spirit. And that is the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, God launched a new community of new creations under a new covenant. On the day of Pentecost, God launched a new community of new creations living under a new covenant. And so what we've been doing for the past few weeks is looking at 11 things in and around the life of Jesus that save us. And this is the first one where we get to step in. None of us had anything to do with the fact that Jesus came into the world. We're not that old. We weren't there. None of us had anything to do with the fact that Jesus did miracles and that Jesus taught really well and that Jesus lived a perfect life and then died a sinner's death, rose from the dead after being in the ground for three days. None of us had anything to do with that. But this, this is where we get to step in. This is where the life of Jesus moves into your heart and mind. And that happened on the day of Pentecost. Those of us who are Jesus followers in here, we are that new community. So we're going to look in, uh, we're going to look at a bunch of different verses. Most of them are in Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two. So if you're looking through your Bible or you're looking through your app, you go to the New Testament and then it says Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those four books tell the story about what Jesus did when he was on this earth. This is how he went around. This is how he talked to people. This is the power that he poured out on men and women. This is the teaching that he did that separated a right understanding from God, a right understanding of God away from a wrong understanding of a God. Acts is when he empowers his people to do that. Acts is when the church is born because men and women like us decide that they would rather follow Jesus and have everything in life flipped over than continue to do life their old way. And so in Acts, we get to see the hope that you and me can have a past life and have a life where Jesus comes in and changes everything. So at this point, the church is about 120 people. They're huddled in Jerusalem they're hiding. They're not sure what's going to happen. And so Jesus says this in Acts 1, chapter, verse 4. He says, once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. That was the guy who baptized Jesus. He says, as I told you before, John baptized you with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And right there, we see the mission and the method about how this, this new community was supposed to change the world. When Jesus left the earth, he said, it's going to be better that I leave, because if I leave, the Holy Spirit can come. And when that happens, everything is going to change. So what's it going to look like? What's the after effect of this? Acts 2, 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. 
generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. All right. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you know that verse. Like, that's just the explanation of what the church was like. But if we step into this and start looking at this from, from like we're watching a movie, the way that it happens is Jesus is big and famous, and then Jesus dies, and all of Jesus' followers disappear, some of them poorly. And now all of a sudden they're running this church where everything's happening and miracles and generosity and new teaching and all this stuff. What happened? Like there's one guy, his name is Peter. And he disappeared terribly well or terribly bad. Like the, 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 the last encounter that we have from him is him saying, I don't even know Jesus, running away, cussing at people and basically going against everything that Jesus instructs us to live. Like we can all agree on this. If you're following Jesus, you're probably not cussing at people. That's just kind of normal for us. Not this guy. So what happened? How do you go from scared and hiding and all that to running a church that's miraculously reaching people. What happened is that they were changed by the power of the Holy Spirit to make Jesus' followers new creations. They were changed by the power of the Holy Spirit to make Jesus' followers new creations. This is God's design for every single person on the planet. As he looks at all of us with eyes of love, with a heart of love, with a desire to build and repair things that have gone wrong in our hearts. And more than anybody, God knows that all of us have those things in us. God is an expert on the fact that you and I are sinners, that by our own choice, by our own deeds, by our own decisions, we've raced away from God. And God didn't say game over and walk away. God said, I'm going to race after them and I'm going to bring them back into a relationship with me. I'm going to restore what's been broken. And so God did that by sending Jesus on a mission to accomplish that very fact, for Jesus to trade his perfect life for our imperfect lives, to give us the opportunity to become children of God, to say that death on that cross, that applies to me, 100% me. I was guilty, and Jesus paid the penalty for my sin so I can have forgiveness for us, so I can have new life with him. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit moves into our life. It's how we know God. It's how we can have a relationship with God is because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in his physical body, this is what we looked at last week, Jesus in his physical body ascended into heaven. So nobody's going to touch Jesus anymore because you're not 2,000 years old. God, God says no one can see God because we'll die because we're unholy. So what happens is the Holy Spirit moves into us. It's God in spirit living inside of us to change us. This happens at conversion. And at conversion, we become spiritual babies. The day that you decide, okay, I'm following Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. The same power of verse that we looked at a few weeks ago, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and me. Does that mean that we never sin anymore? Absolutely not. It's kind of like a physical baby, right? Physical babies, super cute, super exciting, super unable to do anything. Right? My, as parents, you know when this day happens, okay? That day when your kids are old enough on a Saturday morning to turn on the TV themselves and get breakfast themselves. Hallelujah, that's a good day, right? Because you get to sleep. For us as Christians, we have the same growth plan, the same growth initiative, the same growth structure is we live in eventual ability, you know? 
And for, for all of us who are following Jesus, regardless of how long we've been with him, there are things that we do that we would wish that we would never do again. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not there. It means that it's there. It means that we're living between our date of giving our life to Jesus and having our sins once for all time completely forgiven. And we're gonna fight sin until we die and we're in heaven with Jesus where there's no more sin. In the meantime, we're, we're living on eventual holiness. And then the new life is promised as a spirit that lives inside of us. It changes us. It changes everything about us. And our case study for this is the guy I mentioned a few minutes ago. His name's Peter. Peter's a blue-collar, no-collar guy like a lot of us. He likes fishing. He likes saying the wrong thing at the wrong moment. So you can say, oh, that's me. And you don't even have to admit to which one it is. Either they like fishing or they like saying the wrong thing at the wrong moment. Nobody will know. But the Spirit changes him. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It's a long story. It's a good story. Let me read it. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And then this happened. The media team will put the screen up or put the verse up. It says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and, let we and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judah, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phygria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to, to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, and we hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. And then Peter, the guy who says the wrong thing at the wrong time, the guy who's always a little bit too hot and should just settle down and think before he talks, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, if some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men We'll see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. It's his way of saying everyone and they will prophesy. They will prophesy. So seven weeks ago, if we look at it in, in a calendar form, seven weeks ago, this guy is the one who's running out of Jesus's trial, cussing at anyone who gives him any grief and, and hiding even after Jesus rises from the dead, he's gone back to his old way of life. There's nothing in him that says, okay, now for the rest of my life, I'm gonna spend it telling people about Jesus. I'm gonna tell people about the life that was given to take away the sin of the world. He has no plans of doing that, but he ends up doing that. And the reason he ends up doing that is because the Holy Spirit come, came upon him and he was changed. 
It wasn't the resurrection that did it because he kept hiding after the resurrection. It was the fact that God moved into his heart and things began to change. He's living out what Jesus said the chapter before in Acts 1.8. He said, Peter, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. Check. That's where he is right then. He's beginning to live out the words of Jesus throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what happens for him. Acts 1.8 was the plan all along for the church. Is that as we are new creations, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we live new lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, he's with his people, and before he dies, he tells them this. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is his plan. This is his mission for his close followers to change the world. That's still the mission for us, his church, to change the world. One of the numbers that we talk about all the time here is 66,000. There's 77,000 or 75,000 people living in our city council district, and we want all 75,000 of them to meet Jesus. So based on percentages and the way that we can guess things are, there's already about 13, 13% of that 75,000 who's already going to church, who already understands Jesus, who already loves Jesus and already has a relationship with Jesus. That leaves 66,000. God's plan about how that 66,000 people living around here who doesn't care about this place, but we want them to meet Jesus at this place. God's plan for all that is because of the Holy Spirit. His plan is that men and women like you and me are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit for Jesus-exalting, life-changing ministry. That it's the type of fire that grows inside of us, that moves out of us and affects and changes and empowers forever the lives of those around us. So what about the Holy Spirit? What about this? So it's the type of thing, again, that, that moves into our hearts when we ask Jesus to forgive us our sins, when we begin our relationship with Jesus. If you're here and that's never happened for you, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, to change you into a new person, then then I'm going to give you a chance to do that at the end of the service. God is going to move into your life because that was always his plan. He's going to do that through the Holy Spirit. It's God inside of us making us more like Jesus. But within that, there's a moment where that flame gets ignited And there's evidence, there's excitement around it, there's new life around it. And that's the new covenant. The plan was all along for God to move in. From the very beginning of the Bible, it's not like God is making adjustments as he goes. From the very beginning, God's plan was to move into our lives. That's why people hundreds of years before Jesus talk about this, that I'm going to give you a new covenant, and it's going to be the type of thing that is etched on your heart, and you make decisions from your heart, not following a code or a custom anymore. It's going to be in your heart where the Holy Spirit lives. And so at the beginning of God's story, he would go around the terrain. He would just kind of float above the land, and he would see somebody, a man or a woman, and he would want to talk to him as he'd call their name and just kind of drop in. And then after a while, God said, okay, now that you're organized, now that you're moving around, now that my people are a group, I want you to build me a tent. And so they build a tent. And like we always say, after you live in a tent for a while, you want a house. Uh, So God asked for a temple. He's like, I want you to build me a temple. And so God lived in the temple and it was great. And that's where God lived and his presence dwelt until the people ran away and, and the temple got destroyed. And so after 400 years of thinking that we have messed up, that the the people who did life wrong, they've chased God away. God stepped into human history, stepped onto our planet in the person of Jesus. 
It's the spirit of God. It went from the terrain to the tent, to the temple. It's now in the person of Jesus, where the power, the love, the ability, the authority, the knowledge of God is now trapped in flesh and blood Jesus, who embodied everything about God, every blessing about God. And toward the end of his time, Jesus began to give a trailer about what the future is going to look like, that he's going to give his life on the cross to cover the sins of the world and that he's gonna go up to heaven, but it's good for that to happen because the Holy Spirit is going to come and the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth and the Holy Spirit will testify about who Jesus is through us. That's the plan is that God moves into our lives through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about this on the day he was, or uh, John talked about this on the day that Jesus was baptized. He says, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's talking about Jesus. Again, what we looked at from earlier, once he was sitting with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He uses that image of fire, and what it does is fire symbolizes presence. It symbolizes power. It symbolizes holiness coming to rest on us. And so in Acts 2, like we read earlier, that what looked like flames or tongues of fire settled on each of them. And so that's where we get the gift of tongues. Why do we talk about the gift of tongues? One is because it's confusing. The better reason why we talk about the gift of tongues is because it's evidence, it's audio evidence of the spirit of God taking over a heart and flowing out from somebody, overflowing from their heart in a way that we can hear audibly. So what is, it, what is speaking in tongues? It's using a language that's either earthly that we didn't learn or angelic, that it, there's, it doesn't correspond to a people group, but it's a way that God speaks to us and speaks with us, that God understands it. We're speaking to God in a language we've never lied in, we've never gossiped in, we've never cussed in. It's a pure language that God communicates with us using. The way that it was in the book of Acts, what, what they say is that there's people from all around, all these different languages, all these different people groups can now hear the good news about who Jesus is in their own languages. It's not Aramaic like Jesus spoke in that day. It's all those other languages they can hear about Jesus in those languages. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gave them the gift of tongues. It's the only gift meant to build up the believers. It builds up the believers because we can pray without knowing what we're praying for. When we're out of words in English or Spanish or Hmong, you can switch into tongues. And through that, God speaks and God ministers to us and God impresses on our hearts things that he wants us to know. It builds up the believer. It builds up people like you and me with extraordinary power for Jesus' exalting ministry. And today is our day to step into the flow of the Holy Spirit. Today is our day to step into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why this convicts me, the reason why this excites me is because the beginning of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit coming and changing the men and women who were following Jesus at that point, the secret isn't the people. Like we read their backstory and there's nothing impressive about them. But we're excited about the fact that the Holy Spirit came in and changes them. We're excited about the fact that the Holy Spirit still continues to do that. We're excited about the fact that Jesus sits on his throne. He looks at his church 
a group of men and women who need his power, who need his empowerment, who need to know in in physical, tangible, life-changing, encouraging ways that God loves them. And through those people, God has continued to change the world, and he's not going to get tired, and he's not done yet. So today is our day to step into the flow of the Holy Spirit, to step into God's ability to work through us, to remind us of his love for us, to remind us of his plans for us and for around us, and to encounter the God who's going to send us back home, back to work, back to school, back to our mission fields, to make Jesus known through us. Why? Because we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be his witnesses in Fresno, in Sunnyside, in Sanger, in Clovis, and to the ends of the earth. Let's stand and pray.